the views expressed and the opinions given by the individual host, guest, random reptoid, or chupacabra may not necessarily reflect those of AM950 Radio, its affiliates, or its sponsors. Now, it's time to step into the unknown. There are things people experience but never talk about. A shadow moving in the corner, flickering of the lights, a disembodied voice. We invite you to talk with us, share your story, share your experience, because this isn't just your story, this is our story. This is Ghost Box Radio with Greg Bakken. And this is Ghost Box Radio on AM 950, where every night we talk about the paranormal, ufology, Bigfoot, and so much more. My name is Greg Bakken. Very nice to be here tonight. Thank you all very much for joining me. Happy Wednesday. Uh, and also, I just wanted to start off by thanking everybody. Uh, Monday and Tuesday, we reran uh, an episode. It actually was one episode that we cut up into two. Uh, that was our tribute to our fallen friend, John Yost. Uh, his uh, film that he made a number of years ago called Alien Abductions Answers. That's available on Amazon. Uh, please uh, take a look. And thank you all for uh, sending some kind words uh, our way, uh, remembering John. Some of you have been friends with him, and uh, he's, he's just a very kind person. And uh, his his him being gone has left a big hole in in the community and for those of you who don't know who i'm talking about john yost uh he uh had a very early age had uh an abduction uh by what he believes were aliens and uh he he made this film from it we had him on our program and a special two-hour program we did back in april of last year and we just uh wanted to replay it again we hadn't played it since but we wanted to play it for uh, um, kind of to keep the memory going of John. Uh, he had pancreatic cancer, and uh, he succumbed to that on February 13th. Uh, so thank you all very much uh, for uh, listening and sending the notes and stuff. Really, really appreciate it. Now, as far as uh, as far as Minnesota, as far as what makes Minnesota? I think this week we saw it. And Monday we start, you know, a 70-degree day. It was 70 up in my area, which is ridiculous. And then uh, now we are at, what are we at now? Does it even, it's 12 degrees. It's 12 degrees out. It's, it, you know, and that was like not too far from the high today. So that was fantastic, of course. Uh, you know, I, it's just like it's Minnesota. Now some of you are going to be like, well, Greg, it's February and I know it. I know. I know what month it is. Uh, but you know, the thing is, is it's this is just classic Minnesota that takes us from the 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 extremes. Minnesota is all about the extremes, isn't it? It's one day we're you know we're out there in shorts, and then the next day, well, well, I'm still out in shorts because I wear shorts all the time. But it's it's a you know a 62 degree difference. Anyway, you know, I I think uh, you, you know we know what it's like. We know that when we hit. Uh, when we hit uh, July, it's going to be, you know, still 60 or something as well. So, I mean, I get it. I understand how it works. Uh, but uh, one other thing I want to say before we get to our guest tonight, and I warned him, I warned him that I'm going to be going through all this stuff and he's just going to stare. If you're watching us on Facebook, he's just going to be staring at us, not knowing really what to do. I, I told you. Uh, I wanted to say that uh, you can always catch Ghost Box Radio 
on my Facebook page as well, Ghost Box Radio with Greg Bakken. You can watch us. But I just been added to a new network starting Monday as well called Get Haunted. And that is another Facebook network, and that's full of paranormal uh, broadcast as well. If you are in a paranormal mood, go to Get Haunted on Facebook. I'm going to start uh, putting my show on there starting March 4th, but you can still get it on Ghost Box Radio uh, with Greg Bach and Facebook page, as well, of course, broadcasting it out to everybody in Minnesota. Very, very cool. I'm excited to talk uh, to our guest tonight. You know, one of the things one of the things that uh, you know I, I don't seem to be able to do very often, and this is why I'm so excited about it, is to be able to get this local touch on this program. You know, so many of the people we bring in are in different parts of the country. It is so great to be able to talk to people who are local and people who uh, are creative at the same time. And this is something I absolutely love. And um, I, I gotta, I gotta ask. I'm gonna, because I'm gonna, I'm gonna butcher a couple things uh, here. <clears throat> but Zachariah Jones is a longtime lover of books, lover of mysteries, and lover of everything that has to do with the world unseen by most. He lives in Stillwater, a small historic town in eastern Minnesota, with his husband and dog. And uh, his debut novel, Chasing Shadows, Genesis, received an Ippy Award for Best Region Fiction, Midwest, and was a finalist for Best Horror Novel at the NIEA. Visit him online at thezachariahjones.com, and that's spelled Z-A-C-H-A-R-I-A-Jones.com, or on Instagram, you can go to at the underscore Zachariah underscore Jones and uh, go and, and and see his stuff. And Zachariah, welcome to Ghost Box Radio. Thank you, Greg. Super excited to be on here. Thank you very much. Now, I, the question I was going to ask, you know, we had so much time for me to talk to you about this, and I totally forgot about it because I, you know, first of all, I'm, I'm lucky I can read it all. But secondly, any <laughs> awards that are associated with it. Did I say that right? The Ippy Award? Yep. Okay. So independent publishers. Um, they do huge awards every year. And then, so. and then the other one, I just said NIEA, is that good or is it NIA? Yep. Okay. Nope. Yeah. So NIEA is national, um, indie excellence in publishing. That is fantastic. And congratulations on both of those. I mean, thank you. Wow. How cool is that? Now you have, there are, there are two books, uh, that, uh, you have done so far and this, and this is, uh, Chasing Shadows and it's going to be a trilogy, right? Correct. Yeah, it is a trilogy with the third book coming out later this year. So, okay. So the first one is Genesis. The second one is uh, Convocation. And yeah. uh, do you have a name for the third one yet? Or is that a spoiler or what? what well, I, I do. Um, yeah. So I'm actually going to be working on the cover. I just got the cover finally mm -hmm. um, from the artist. And so I'm going to be doing a reveal for that over the next couple of weeks. Sure. I started teasing it a little bit already. Um, but I did release the, any of the book talks that I've done so far. I did let the title is known as uh, Requiem oh, is nice. the third book. Yep. Um, but yeah, the cover and title and release date and all that's going to be coming out here probably within two to three weeks is when that'll be published. That's fantastic. So, okay. So let's start with Genesis here. And uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about what this book is about, please. As you take yeah. your sip. Sorry, I just... <laughs> oh, you're good. <laughs> Yeah, so Genesis is obviously the beginning of the story. Uh, the Chasing Shadows trilogy focuses around Jarek Vidini. He is a young man from New York in his late 20s. Um, you know, it's 1924, so the World War I is fairly 
still in the back of everybody's minds. He got back just a few years prior um, and he's in New York City. During the war, he found out that he had some extra gifts, you could call it, but he doesn't quite know what it is. Um, but he grew up in a household where his grandma was very uh, in tune with the mm -hmm. supernatural and the world beyond. And so she kind of helped guide him throughout his upbringing, but he hadn't really recognized that until later on in life that that's what she was doing. And so anyway, what he did in New York was kind of turn his skills into being a asset for helping people, um, particularly just to help kind of solve little mini mysteries. So that's none of that's really shown in the book. It just kind of mentions all that. But mm -hmm. what really triggers it is the opening of the book is him coming to, to St. Paul because he was requested to come to St. Paul. He doesn't know by who. And a couple anonymous letters requesting him to come because they heard about his gifts. And Sarah O'Connell, she's a socialite from St. Paul back in the 20s, married to Martin O'Connell. They own a print factory. And the wife was murdered. Sarah was murdered. And back in August, and nobody was able to figure out what happened. There's just no clues to the case. And so the local authorities gave up on it. And so Jarek, when he gets here, he quickly finds out that he was brought there because of his gifts, particularly, uh, because there is the world beyond has a huge play, part to play in her actual death. And so kind of goes around that. It's very much of the um, haunted house style for a horror book, uh, but it is set in St. Paul. So if you are familiar with the St. Paul area, having it um, in 1924 was awesome because St. Paul in 1924 was really booming um, at the start of that roaring 20s and just the historical aspect in St. Paul is so fun and was so cool to research throughout this process to be able to tie it into um, for people if they're familiar with the area but anyway I digress. <laughs> no not at all actually because that's exactly what I kind of wanted to talk about because you know St. Paul itself uh, even modern day St. Paul lends itself to that sort of noir sort of uh, feel mm -hmm. to it. I mean, it's, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but there's parts of St. Paul that really has not moved on from a certain period of time, mm -hmm. uh, which is, which is much to its, its benefit. And I think that's what makes St. Paul such a, a, a wonderful place. And I was thinking when you were explaining all that to me, I was just thinking, my God, you know, how cool is it as a writer to be like, you know, first of all, you, you kind of sit down and like, even though St. Paul exists already, it's not fictional. You're like, I can create this world and I can do whatever I want with it. Yeah, it was awesome. So when I was kind of getting the plan, I knew I wanted the first book to take place in St. Paul really mm -hmm. bad. Um, because like what you said, it has that really good vibe for that mystery. Yeah. And being a horror mystery, obviously I wanted to just build that vibe in the background as much as possible. And having that set in the 1920s for two different reasons, uh, one being that's when prohibition was in play. And I really wanted to tie in an aspect of he's there to help this really filthy rich family mm -hmm. and how back then, if you had money, it's no different than nowadays, you could get by with doing certain things. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and you could get away with a lot more. And then also in St. Paul, the height of spiritualism was so, so high in the 1920s. And so since that was a key component of the story, uh, it just, it just fit too well. And so worked with digging in with the historical society quite a bit to kind of help build that world around it of what I wanted. But I did obviously take some liberties to change a few things. Like for example, um, 
there'll be, you know, big landmark things like the first chapter takes place at Union Depot. Mm. And then um, they'll, he'll, within chapter two, he's going by the St. Paul Cathedral, which was built by 1924. And then uh, mentions the Capitol, like all these things that were built at the time. But then like the actual house that I modeled the whole story on for the O'Connell mansion is the house that they had tore down on St. Clair street to build the St. Paul cathedral. Oh. And so, yeah, so just kind of being able to take some of those, those components to help build the world, but yet it is still fantasy or fiction. Sure. And when you had mentioned about the mansions, that was going to be my next question. And you, you kind of answered it for me is that if we're up on, we're talking at the Hill in St. Paul, where all the mansions uh, kind of line the street, which is right yeah. by the cathedral. And my history on St. Paul isn't that great. So I didn't realize that there is a, there is a mansion that was there that they tore down, which it makes sense. The, I mean, this, this cathedral, for those who are not in Minnesota, is, is really one of the high architectural points of, in some ways, literally, mm-hmm. but of, of, of the Twin Cities. And uh, it, is, it is stunning on every level, and you cannot help but, uh, but notice that it looks down over downtown St. Paul in a way that is absolutely wonderful. And uh, that, that, is, that is fantastic. You know, I guess, you know, the thing I wanted to ask when, it, when you're talking about all this is, you know, kind of the chicken and the egg, what came first? Were you looking at the characters and decided St. Paul fit? Or was it like just kind of thinking about St. Paul and kind of building layers upon what is there and thinking this is a great place to set my story. Yeah. So I really, um, one of the kind of subtle things in the story is that there's a lot of different people in the, um, both books so far, I'm going to be in the third that they just feel different and they don't quite belong. And so one thing that I wanted was to have the story set in St. Paul that I knew was going to be pretty central mm-hmm. for the first book. But then the protagonist, Jarek, I wanted him to be an outsider coming in. I mean, he already feels different because of his gifts that he doesn't quite understand, but um, and just who he is as a person. But then to have him as a complete outsider coming in, because that also helps fill um, some of the story of, you know, people are second guessing him, they question him, they don't really understand him. Oh, and now he's a New Yorker that's coming to St. Paul. Like, it just kind of helps feed that um, and builds him up and then gives him more um, credibility too throughout the throughout the book and then going into the second book absolutely no it's 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 really uh, pretty incredible i have uh i see that some folks in the chat they're just like wondering you know they came in a little bit later wondering what we're talking about and we have uh we have author Zachariah Jones, and we're talking about his books. It's We have two books we're talking about here that are actually part of a trilogy. The third one is coming out here soon. They're called Chasing Shadows. The first one is Genesis, and uh, the second one is uh, Convocation. And, uh, you know, I think what uh, I'd like to do right now as we kind of, uh, kind of have a point of a bit of a lull, I think what I'd like to do is I would like to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about these books. We're going to talk about the settings. Zachariah, I also want to talk about uh, Stillwater as well. You're listening to Ghost Box Radio on AM 950. (music) 
And speaking of Mega's books, uh, they have a lot of stuff going on, and I wanted to share some of that with you. Uh, coming up this Sunday, March 3rd, Mega's books on March 3rd is uh, doing Gateway to the Gods, a monthly uh, Ethogean experience beginning at noon. This monthly tea party offers a sample mug of uh, enthogenic herb, such as Blue Lotus, a lecture on its historical uses, and a guided meditation to help you connect with its effect. Visit MegasBooks.com to register. You'll also see that they have other stuff coming up in the following weekends as well. Check out what's going on over there. Go to MegasBooks.com. It's really exciting, and uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing more of the stuff that they are offering. We are talking with author Zachariah Jones. We're talking about his book, uh, Chasing Shadows. Uh, And uh, we had uh, in the comments... We had somebody uh, ask uh, about, uh, they're, they're excited to read your book, they said, but uh, the one thing as I wanted to do is I wanted you to tell us uh, where they can get the book in case people are uh, wanting to go ahead and, and, and have a read for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. So they're available online from any, any major retailer. You can order them through. Um, a lot of people obviously get them through Amazon, uh, but you can get them anywhere. Mm-hmm. The, if you're in Stillwater and you are visiting Stillwater, um, it is available at our local bookstores here in Stillwater. Uh, and then also, if you happen to be out by San Diego, they're available at Verbatim Books out there and Mysterious Galaxy. Uh, and then also right through my website as well. If you want to get a signed copy, you can get them through my website. Um, they just take a little longer for processing, but you can get them through there. And I do also want to uh, mention to folks, too, if you wanted, if you were thinking of going the Amazon route, I might ask if you'd consider going to ghostboxradio.com. I have a tab called Ghostbox Book Club, and on there, the book is there. There's an Amazon link there, but if you get it through my site, uh, then we we get a little money back, meaning me. And uh, But, you know, I think I think the signed copy is the way I would go, to be perfect. It, it is also... Uh, uh, on Audible as well. So Audible does have book oh. one and book two is getting in production right now um, and will be on Audible within probably about five to six weeks. That's pretty cool. That's that's pretty yeah. neat. That's, that's the big league when you're doing stuff like that. It's it's pretty fun. And I got Brian Safara as the narrator. He narrates a ton of sci-fi books, mm. um, does a phenomenal job. So he's been fantastic to work with on the product. So how has uh, Reaction been to the book so far? Excellent. Um First one was kind of a little bit slow going. Um, and then after, pro- actually probably once I actually got the first first of the IPI award, that's kind of triggered it to, to get a little bit more well received. Mm-hmm. Um, sales have been really well um, with that. And book two has been even better. And which mm-hmm. I, I personally think book two is even a better book. So sure. <laughs> I love book two. Uh, but it does so well when I go to either just different events for book signings or what have you. And then, for example, I also do a couple different uh, book talks. So, like, I went out to the Spicer Library, did a book talk out there, and had a very, very good crowd. And it was not the crowd I expected. It was a lot of retirees, mm-hmm. which I didn't expect for a paranormal horror mystery. <laughs> um, but it was it was excellent. And it just kind of showed me that I shouldn't uh, judge so much because there's people of all kinds that love this type of stuff, especially when it comes to paranormal. It, it seems like uh, that it is uh, kind of... Uh an ageless sort of topic, isn't it? The, mm-hmm. the paranormal stuff. I've been, I've been noticing that myself now doing a, uh, doing a trilogy here. Uh, how far out did you map it out before starting on the first book? So I started book one during COVID 2020. Sure. Um, yep. Had quite a bit more time on my hands, obviously at home, 
wanted to pick up a hobby, had a lot of evenings free. And I've always loved writing. I've written and dabbled and stuff. My first job was when I was 14 at a library. My mom's been a librarian almost my whole life. <laughs> um, so I love books and I love writing. But uh, this time I actually like sat down and what I did was I started mapping out book one in my head and it was only going to be one book. And I quickly realized that Jarek's story needed to be more. And so I was like, okay, it's going to be a trilogy. So what I actually did was wrote, or write, wrote the first probably about a quarter of book one. And then what I did is I went and wrote the conclusion to the trilogy. So I, mm -hmm. I finished book three um, for the most part in a draft form. So I knew what my end goal was. Sure. And then I went back and did the rest of the outline for book one. And then um, as I wrote that simultaneously at different times, what I would do is then jump to my outline for book two and start building some of that. And then concurrently when I was writing book two, I was jumping to book three and just, just to make sure, especially for when it comes to any plot points and stuff like that, that it would be carried through um, and brought all the way through to an actual conclusion for people. Cause there's nothing more frustrating when there's something in a book that an author writes and it's like, there was no point to it. There's no point for that whole section. Right. <laughs> Or, or it gets it gets for, forgotten, you know. I mean, mm -hmm. and I, I find that very much in if you know, like even modern modern television in in particular, that uh, they'll they'll allude to something, uh, and and you know, the funny thing is, like fandom of anything, they're gonna call them out on it, and yeah. you know, I think I think the lame response to that sort of thing is like, why didn't you why didn't you cover up this? Why didn't you t you know talk about this? And and the response. Um, is always like, oh, you just wait and see, you know. No, you, you yep. forgot about it, and you're trying to you're trying to cover it up. And I, yeah, I think I think people would very much appreciate uh, that sort of uh, you know that 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 kind of care that goes into it. But I mean, that's also that's also something that you you I mean, you're you're doing you'd be doing your characters a disservice if you didn't. Correct. It it only builds them up better. Um, and there are, t there are times in the component because how the books are written is there's a standalone mystery, like the death of Sarah O'Connell is really focused on book one. Mm -hmm. Book two then actually takes Jarek out to Deadwood. So uh, the mm -hmm. conclusion of book one is where he finds out where he needs to go next in his journey. And it takes him out to Deadwood. Mm -hmm. And that is because there's, uh, he just, he's brought out there for a reason that's tied in. I don't want to give away too much. Um, he thinks he's just out there to find a person. When he gets out there, he finds out there's actually 49 missing women. And that's what he's truly there to help with. Um, so there's little components that I threw in book one that people aren't going to quite figure out what they truly are until book three. Um, but there is a reason for it because I wanted to leave little breadcrumbs because I love when people can have an aha moment. Yeah. And I had that with in book two, I had some people be like, oh my gosh, now I figure out why you put that in book one. So that was really fun um, to see. But it's also kind of comical because I do get messages at time from readers. <laughs> and they're like, what is this doing? What is this? I know there's a story to this because almost every character, even some of the people you maybe meet for only a partial chapter, there's a reason for it. And so it's been really fun because they're like, what was that reason? And it's like, well, I can't tell you. <laughs> yeah, you just wait. You just have to wait and see. <laughs> I love that. I love the fact that you can uh, that that you have it plotted out that way. And then, of course, you're going. I mean, you're hitting all the the sweet spots. You're going up to Deadwood as well. Mm -hmm. uh, my gosh, you know. I mean, I mean, presumably, then you've you've been to Deadwood yourself. Oh yes, many yeah. times. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it, there's something very uh, special about that place as well. Yeah, very special. And I. Um, the different areas are places that I am very familiar with. 
that I personally have felt very strong connection to with the paranormal. So that's why one, St. Paul, two, Deadwood, and then book three takes us down to Savannah for that deep Ooh, south. Oh, look at you. You're all, yeah. You're hitting every place. You're, yes. you're going to have to do one on the Queen Mary eventually. My yeah. <laughs> I have family down in Savannah, and I've been down there quite a few <laughs> times. And yeah, that place is just so rich um, for activity, and it's so fun. Plus, who doesn't love a good gothic horror vibe? Set in the 1920s. Absolutely. So I want to switch gears here a little bit because you kind of alluded to the getting kind of the feels of paranormal activity. Emily, as you know, uh, she says, Zach, as always, thank you for your service. Absolutely. Uh, Do you have any paranormal stories, experiences relating to your time in the military? Ooh, military, probably not so much Um, because anywhere that I go for the military is nothing it's really not anywhere that exciting <laughs> to be frank. Um, I would honestly say when I, so I started out in the military, I was enlisted. And then um, what I ended up doing was I went through to an ROTC scholarship, secretary sure. officer. Mm-hmm. So I could say during my time for ROTC, I was, I did chose to do it at St. John's university here in Minnesota. There I can tell you some good stories of paranormal activity. <laughs> So um, I lived in Greg House, which is one of the oldest buildings on the campus when the monastery was first built. And how the rooms are built or the house is built is there's only four rooms um, per floor. And then there's two man, two people per room. And then it's a communal bathroom on each floor. Mm-hmm. And so my room, I just ever since moving in, I kind of felt was a little bit a little bit off. Um, like there was just something always there. There's always somebody there. And my roommate that year, he he was hardly ever there. He was dating somebody that lived in St. Cloud and he often stayed at their, their place. And there's many times where I would come into the room and there'd be something, you know, just moved around in the room. And in my head, I'm like, oh, he came back quick, grabbed some stuff, what have you. And then I started having some really weird things happen. I came home from class and one of the screens that has those huge tall windows because it's a very old building. Sure. And the screen was off of the window laying on my floor in the middle of the room and i'm like what the heck like did it blow out but no because all my stuff that i had on the windowsill i had several books a candle and a little figurine were stacked up on the screen on top of the screen so it was the screen and then the object stacked up on there Mm -hmm. and so i was like okay something crazy is going on here so it wasn't even a couple weeks later i'm sitting in um i had one of the lofted beds so I'm underneath, I'm working on the computer, and it was fairly windy outside, um, but I was in a corner room, so I had windows on two sides, and all of a sudden, the shades for one of them like went up and then came back down, and it flew back up, and I'm like, okay, hmm. and then the window flew open, and I was like, says so one of those like crank out style, and so I'm like, the wind is really bad, and then maybe two seconds later, the window on the other corner did the exact same thing where there's no way the wind from outside would have been able to pull it. And then when I went and I closed all that, I went over to the sink because there's a sink in the H bedroom too. Sure. And there was a figure, like a dark cloaked figure behind me. And I just turned around, gone, nothing there. After that, I never had any experience. That was probably a couple months before um, ending that school year. It was in second semester when that happened. But that was a really crazy one. Um, and then also, um, Simon Hall there 
is where a lot of the political science classes were. I went as a political science major and that, that building, if you sat there at night, were in any of the study areas, you could always hear something walking on the one floor and that door was always locked. It was very, mm-hmm. very fascinating, very fascinating place. But there are, that whole property is really cool because there, there are parts of the monastery that are um, completely, obviously not allowed for students because it is for the, you know, the monks only or the brothers only. But then there are parts that some of the brothers will even tell you why they're off limits to um, students. I know there's one room for sure in the main hall and that was where an exorcism was conducted. And that room, you can see where it is, the doorway is bricked up now. And that one room is completely off limits. It's just really fascinating campus, really cool stories there. You know, not to not to get off track here a little bit, but uh, I don't know if you ever read anything by Stephen Lachance. Uh, he's a paranormal author as well. And uh, you make me think about uh, talking about that room. It's interesting. I've heard before a number of times rooms where there's exorcisms and stuff, they're blocked off. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, 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 the boy where the exorcist film was and novel was based on... Uh, it was, um, you know, obviously this boy in St. Louis, and from the room where the exorcism took place, they took all the furniture and they put it into one of the hospitals that he was staying at. It's down in the basement, and uh, it's it's locked up. All the stuff is locked up, but Stephen himself went out there and he had a chance to not to go in the room, but be like to be able to like be at the door and stuff downstairs. There's a couple big cracks in the cement floor coming emanating from the room, but also you could constantly hear stuff moving around in that room. That you know, and that's the thing that I think people don't quite understand about anything demonic, anything that's to do with exorcism. Mm-hmm. That that's an that's an unwieldy unwieldy energy that is mm-hmm. not going to stop. It it just because maybe, and I never think actually it fully leaves a person anyway. But even if it did that that is uh, still absorbed by anything else around it as well. Sorry, I didn't mean to get off topic, but I just no, I find it interesting. Yeah. Now, really not that far off topic, because when you start reading The Chasing Shadows, you'll realize within the middle of book one, uh, it really, really starts going into the occult. And oh, that nice. goes into the bigger the bigger story going on behind um, all three books. So I think, I think that's such a strong uh, point and su- such a strong place to put into a novel like that because you know i i you know I, none of us want to have be face to face with a demon or that sort of stuff but my gosh we are we are kind of obsessed with that aren't we at mm-hmm. the same time we want to we want to kind of see the what if how does it affect other people not us you know <laughs> just yep. like but and not even real people just like characters and stuff and see what see what happens i i think that's uh that's really cool that you kind of en- encompassing all of that and i mean you're just kind of taking everything that you are really interested in and you're and you're putting it in this trilogy yep exactly it's it's my interest it's like i said i loved doing the research on it because one the historical side was so fun um, to a lot of the the paranormal stuff with the ghosts and the story was, you know, kind of a conglomerate of things of, you know, inspired by things that I've seen, things like that, or other stories I've heard. And then um, moving into the occult aspect, because it starts going into a lot of stuff when it comes to King Solomon. And that's really what this boils down to in the occult realm. And so I 
got the keys of Solomon and really actually read all of those books and got some of the backstory on that and how he allegedly wielded demons and stuff like that is super fascinating. Like I went down tons of rabbit holes that I had no need to for the story, but it was just really fun to do. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Now, Emily also asked, and I wanna, I'm going to kind of change her question. You know, you said at the, at the monster where, or where you went to school, there was a cloaked uh, figure uh that you that was behind you or is yes. right do you think was that a monk do you think i believe i believe it was a, a monk and a habit is what i believe it was mm -hmm. yeah because mm -hmm. that the um they're a benedictine society so all their habits there are the black the black ones and then you have the black hoods that can go pull a kind of very harry potter style <laughs> sure um yeah and that's what most of the brothers wear there well, I hear that they're they're a hard habit to break. So sorry, <laughs> but <I'm ashamed. laughs> and that's how radio goes wrong. Uh, so, but you know the the thing the thing too is about that is is that uh, I, I mean when when you run into stuff like that, uh, do, do you feel their energy yourself? I mean, are, do you? I just can't hear. Yes. Yeah, you because you kind of alluded to that a little bit. Yeah, I it really started, and I have a lot of family members too that um, very much dive into this because they they sense a lot of different things and the house i grew up in as a child um out in wilmer was mm -hmm. i mean that house i will swear up and day and so will my entire family um that that house was incredibly haunted and had a lot of issues with it um sure. and it carried on with a lot of issues unfortunately for several families that actually lived in there after us too um where some not good things happened it was yeah. just very very sad um but a lot of activity <laughs> A lot of activity. I, I, I totally believe it. Why don't we go ahead and do this? Let's take our second break. When we come back, uh, we're going to finish up talking with Zachariah about his books. I still want to talk about Stillwater. Yeah. If, if you have any questions, please put it into the comments. We have a lot more left to do. You're listening to Ghost Box Radio on AM 950. And join me tomorrow on Ghost Box Radio with Greg Bach. And we're going to do a replay tomorrow with uh, Daryl Marston from the A&E Ghost Hunters series. Uh, we're going to be talking about his book, which when we did it originally back in October, it was a newer book. It was called The Horrors of the House of Wills. Uh, definitely, it was a great conversation. And uh, really, uh, it, it's I read it. It's a great book. Check it out. And uh, the reason why, once I said last week, the reason why I do uh, replays on Thursday is at 9 o'clock. You can watch it on Ghost Box Radio with Greg Bakken on Facebook. I do a program. It's called Myth or Mystery, and I do it with uh, a few other people, and we look at clips, and we decide whether, like, they, these clips are looking like they're supposedly paranormal. Are they paranormal? Do we think they're paranormal? Are they not paranormal? Are they UFO? All this stuff. It's a fun show. Also, there's uh, listener and watcher participation. You can vote on it as well. That's tomorrow at 9 p.m. And then afterwards is our episode with uh, Daryl on Ghost Box Radio. I am having a great conversation with uh, Zachariah about his book. And uh, it's, it's, been, it's been really good. The book is called uh, Chasing Shadows. There's two of them so far, uh, Genesis and uh, Convocation. And uh, you can get them at his website. You can go over to thezachariahjones.com. You can get a signed version there. If you go through Amazon, please consider going through ghostboxradio.com 
and uh, going to Ghost Box Book Club. You can go there, get it th through the Amazon affiliate link, get a little, you know, 10 cents back, but every little bit helps and I really appreciate it. Now, Zachariah, I saw during the break the door behind you open up and there's a head that popped in there. Is that was that your husband? Does he want to come yes, in and yeah. say hi to us? Yeah, he just got he's back like, no, work. he doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> no, he just got back from work. He works in Maplewood and works until 10 o'clock. So, oh, my goodness. Yep. So, no, he just got back. So he went downstairs to grab a little nightcap and watch some TV Ooh. with the dog. Well, he's probably actually listening on his phone. Ooh. Right now, night, night, <laughs> nightcap. Now, that sounds, I, that's something I can get behind right now. Yes. That's for sure. Uh, and what's your dog's name, if you don't mind? Uh, Delta. Delta. Yeah. Very, very cool. Much, but a phenomenal dog. Oh, Absolute my goodness. That is fantastic. And so you're living out in Stillwater. Um, mm -hmm. How long have you been out in Stillwater? Uh, I moved here January of 2019. So a little while, yeah. Uh, what I mean, with with the paranormal feelings that you got there, what what are you thinking out there? So Stillwater is, if you have any interest in the paranormal, um, anything in that realm, mm -hmm. any listener to this, <laughs> uh, highly recommend a visit to Stillwater. It is a incredibly um, cool town, very good people, very good history, and a lot of activity. And by that, I mean good restaurants, bars, yeah. you name it, um, great hotels, but also if you like paranormal, there's a lot of good activity out here. Um, this city is one of the oldest cities in Minnesota. Well, it is the oldest city of Minnesota. Um, it stayed small. It's kept its size. It's only about 20,000 people right now. The downtown, um, historical district, and then the North Hill and South Hill for resident, um, North Hill, South Hill for residential is, you know, the massive big old houses. They're phenomenal. Um, but you can, you can experience, if you are sensitive to that type of stuff, you will experience something while you're here. Take, it is just astronomical. Uh, take the trolley or whatever that is. It looks at yep. the houses there. That's, that's really a lot of fun. I did a, uh, a, we did on the show here back in October of last year for Halloween on Halloween. Uh, we did a live paranormal investigation of the grand garage. Um, and, uh, that was, that was really fun. And we got, and we actually got, uh, stuff at the grand garage, but we also had a link back obviously to the station and, so we would be at the grand garage asking for activity at the station and uh, equipment would go off at the station in Eden Prairie. And it was, it was really quite, uh, quite the interesting night. And uh, yes, as far as, as far as walking around Stillwater, it just, it, you can't help but feel there's so many feels actually because mm -hmm. of, of the uh, just the psychic energy there, just the energy that's permeated throughout the years. Mm -hmm. But just the sights and and the beauty and and everything to do with it is gosh, it's such a wonderful place. Yeah, the for me personally, um, going by the Lowell Inn, um, the mm -hmm. Con it's the old Connolly Shoe Factory across the street from there, which is now it's an event center upstairs in the Velveteen Speakeasy in the basement. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, lot of energy down there, um, particularly an older man. That's very very cool. Um, and then also on the south end of downtown, it's the Laura Hotel and the Feller Restaurant. Um, but it used to be the old brewery, you know, back 100 years ago, well, more than 100 years ago, prior to Prohibition. And that that area, too, is just um, phenomenal for some energy. That's really fun, really cool. 
but the, and most of the energies I've ever experienced there have been really good and positive yeah. or just, you know, conversational type stuff. But then when we were actually looking at houses to move here, there's a house on the South Hill that was in our price range, just absolutely beautiful, big old house, um, walked into that house and instantly wanted to vomit. Like oh, yeah. it was, I was hot, sweaty, um, felt like I couldn't breathe. Um, Josh right away noticed the realtor right away noticed. Um, it was very, very heavy walking through that house and then got to, um, the top floor. Cause it was a three story house and pulled down the ladder for the very, um, upper part, which actually had a widow's wash on it. And instantly it was like, Nope, I'm out. I gotta leave, gotta leave this house. Um, so that was the one time where it was very, not so great. Uh, energy but overall it is phenomenal really good interactions if anybody's sensitive like i said highly recommend a visit down there wow yeah no and you know what's interesting about that too about those houses and whatever because of the type of businesses that were around back then that where the money came from like the lumber and and stuff like that it's you know it, it's it kind of gives a feel of old money i thought mm -hmm. you know just uh, I mean, these big houses and stuff and i suppose in a way there, I think there has to be some similarities to a certain extent with Savannah in some extent. Oh, yes, definitely. There's a lot of good similar vibes. Um, and that's what's really beautiful if you look at the architecture here too. Um, so Stillwater has always had a strong um, pagan background as well, which mm. is really cool. Yeah. And so if you look um, at some of the architecture and how some things are built and designed, you can see certain symbols within the architecture. Mm. And it's really cool if you actually kind of just keep your eyes open for it. It's pretty pretty neat. And then down in Savannah, there's also a lot of that, which is really cool. I think you need to start tours in, in uh, Stillwater. <laughs> no, I don't have time for that. <laughs> I'll join people for a drink and we'll lock and find a ghost. <laughs> Once again, a, an idea I can get behind. And uh, uh, I think... Um, I, I, you know, I, I, you got, you have the two books out. The third one, uh, it's going to be coming out, and you said it. And I apologize. When uh, in October? In October, that's going to be, that's going to be pretty amazing. Uh, coming out now. Are you? Do you have? Are you working on any other books or anything right now? Yes, I actually have a couple other ones that I'm working on right now. Um, one is a normal, just literary fiction, and that one is actually more. It's a, it's a fiction book, but it is tied to. Um, the military, and it's actually about a soldier just literally mm -hmm. going through basic training. Um, that, and this is during the "Don't Ask, Don't Tell." So, sure, semi semi autobiography is what it is. Absolutely, <laughs> but Absolutely. it's actually fiction. But it's going to be fiction, um, and obviously exaggerated and dramatized. But then I am working on a couple other ideas for horror books. One I did start, um, and that one is a horror book that's um, focuses around Peeps the Clown, and then. I have another one that I really want to write. I have not started it at all, but I do have the concept. And that is really also about the house that I grew up in Wilmer. I would mm. really like to do something focused around that house just because there were so many anomalies and dark things with that house. Is it still standing? It is. Um, I think they're on probably family number five since we moved out 20 years ago. Wow. So, yeah, and, and some not great things. Um, Several people are in jail from different families throughout those periods. It's so. it's it's something uh, that uh, you know I've I've heard before with different houses and stuff that there is you know and and it's just there there's something that stays there's a funk there's something that mm -hmm. is uh, just you know and it 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 feeds on people who live there. 
Mm -hmm. It it really does. Um, Not to get too personal, but yeah, it definitely affected our family back in the day. Um, And just so many strange things of, I mean, even like, like my father would never be somebody that would really believe too much in the paranormal. And even he will admit that house, there's something wrong with it. And I mean, the amount of voices we heard people full on Mm. conversations taking place in that house that we could audibly hear collectively Mm -hmm. um how many family members would be sleepwalking and do really weird things in the night um we had blackbirds fly out of our basement flying like they literally flew out of the utility room um we i had a something in my crawl space attic that was physically moving things around in there and trying to open the door while i was in my bedroom like just such such crazy stuff that you think is only in the movies and it's not. I I have to say, because I, I see my friend John has is in the chat right now, and you had just talked about a blackbird that came up out of nowhere. Uh, and John, does that sound familiar to you at a place that uh, we investigated in Iowa? Uh, that there's just, there's something I've, I've seen it. I've heard it. Um, we, we don't know if it was a blackbird or what it was, but something came out of a wall and we ducked and then it came back at us and there was nowhere for it to go. And Mm -hmm. we, it's unexplainable. And, uh, that is, that is really, uh, just a very, a very interesting thing. And, you know, that's the thing I love about when we get together, just all of us, and we talk about our paranormal experiences it's nice to hear stuff that has happened to you that it might be like some of it is like applicable to stuff that we've done because you just don't, sometimes you just don't know. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, boy, it's really interesting, isn't it? Um, any, any thoughts about uh, uh, like doing just stuff set in Stillwater? Any, any, right. I mean, cause it's, you know, I, I would like to do that. Um, there's a local author here that she actually writes books and they're based around, they're called the Stillwater witches mm-hmm. and oh, yeah. they're, yeah. Um, and so I was like, well, I would love to dabble in something, especially with um, something in that realm. And I'm like, well, I obviously don't want to get too close to, to her realm. No, but, no. So then I'm thinking like, okay, I would love to do something more particularly um, like with the logging industry and a lot of things um, with that, because there is some really good sad stories of people obviously dying in accidents with the logging mm-hmm. um, industry and then with the St. Croix River here um, you hear tons of stories of people um, or different apparitions down by the river and stuff like that so there's a lot of good things that I could pull from um, the Stillwater Caves where the brewery is oh, all yeah. the caves that are underneath the South Hill there's some great stories that you can pull from there um, to help inspire now now we have about three minutes left and uh did you did you do any formal training for writing or is this all just like you know what i have i have this great imagination and i know because and the reason i ask is it's also because just you know you talk about the planning of the trilogy and and it's a very smart way of going about it i think and i just kind of curious what you had uh what kind of background you had with that no real real formal training. Like I said, I started reading books at a very young age. First job was at a library. Grew mm-hmm. up around that. Books were very important for my mom and um, for us to be very well-read. And by well-read, reading a lot of fiction. I mean, obviously, a lot of well-read people read a lot of nonfiction. But reading fiction, I think, is so important, especially um, to make your brain stronger. Because having a good imagination really helps keep that brain going in the future. Um, and so I just, just use that for, for my fuel for it. And 
wrote how I felt comfortable because I've read so many books that I was not happy with. And so I wrote what I would be happy with. Um, so for example, when I'm describing something, I give, an, I give detail to give that visual, but there's so many books that you read where it just goes on and on of the detail and it just gives so much where it just pulls so much away from the story. Um, so I wanted quick, quick reads to give the good visual, to give the good spook to somebody and move on. Um, so they're like these books, they're a little over 200 pages each. You can, you can read them pretty quick. The audio books are only a little over six hours each. So. Oh, uh, my, my friend, John, he met you at the Anderson house. Were you there in January? Oh yes, I was. All Hi, right. John. All right. Uh, I, cause, uh, I remember uh, before before we started, uh, Zach was talking about some drunk at the Anderson house that uh, he <laughs> he didn't really care for, and I oh okay well sorry that should have been off air, uh, but uh, no that's that's pretty cool. I was supposed to be there that weekend. I had a another thing I needed to go to, so that's that's very cool, uh, very cool actually. That's you know I think that's why your name sounded familiar when Emily had mentioned you to me. It's it it takes a while, but I do catch on eventually. <laughs> Uh, so, so yeah. <laughs> once again, uh, the the books are called Chasing Shadows, Genesis, Chasing Shadows, uh, Convocation. Uh, these are wonderful uh, local books, uh, and that uh, you can get them through uh, the ZachariahJones.com website, and that's where you get the signed copy if you if you so desire. Uh, and also, you can go through Amazon and other places as well. Um, when uh, when we get to the point of the third book coming out. Do you want to come back on? you want to talk about it yeah, a little bit? Absolutely. I absolutely, cause yeah, I'd love to talk about my times in Savannah as well, because there's some good stuff Ooh, there. Oh, so. yeah, yeah. Well, we don't have to wait for the book to come out to get you to talk about that i think that's going to be that's going to be a lot of fun i'm i'm looking i'm looking forward to that quite a bit actually and hearing what you have to say about that uh so zachariah jones thank you so very much for joining us tonight this was awesome yeah, thank you, Greg. I really appreciate it. This was fun. Oh, good. I'm happy to hear that. Uh, tomorrow, folks, don't forget, uh, we're going to be replaying our episode with uh, Daryl Marston talking about his book. But also at 9 o'clock, we're doing Myth or Mystery on my Facebook page, Ghost Box Radio with Greg Bakken. Everyone, thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you tomorrow. Everyone, have a good night.